Let's invite Pastor Marty up. God bless him. Give him a hand clap. Thank you, Marty. Bless you, sir. Without further ado. Guys, a cheer. You'll be right. Thank you. Awesome. Well, you can take your seats, folks. Bless you. You know, before I start today, I just want to honour Pastor Phil and Julie and their family. Uh, love them. There's a richness of blessing, the father's blessing, the mother's blessing. You know, the generations, all of their family. They just encourage me every time I meet with them. I had a bit of a word for um, Julie. You're still playing. You can have a rest. Come here. Come here, buddy. Hallelujah. What a great servant's heart. There's a father's blessing on you. Just stand there, bud. Stand on the carpet. Something might happen. Hallelujah. Let's just reach out towards Jilly today. Thank you, Lord. You know, when I was worshipping, you know, the resonance, the frequency of revelation begins to open up. And, you know, it's a shepherd's, a shepherd's voice that is being heard around the nations right now in local churches where he's, he's tailoring garments and mantles. You know, in every local church, there is a, there's a bit like a castle with a king. All of the garments that are worn for all the different roles and responsibilities, there is people in the background weaving things to wear. In the kingdom of God, it's the same Right now, there is garments being made for this era and time, this era for the rule and reign of Jesus. And for you, the Lord is saying to you that he's weaving a shepherd's mantle for you. He's sewing into you a garment of care and empathy. Um, the colours of it will be sewn with, with uh, the finest of fabric that will last It'll be a lasting, enduring garment. Some garments we wear for seasonal times, but there's garments that we wear that endure. They're not garments for a short period, they're garments for a long period. And the call on your life is a call that has been handed down from your parents as a generational thing of endurance. It's a, it's a crown of, that will come on you of life for those that endure and long suffer. God has built within you a tenacity a bulldog spirit, I, don't, I use that in the right way, that there is, a, um, there is a tenacity to not give up and that's from God, it's a grace. But it's handed down, it's generational blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing to fight, to fight for kingdom things, a justice banner and uh, in the spirit I can see over your breastplate because everyone's got a breastplate the armour of God, the breastplate of righteousness is unique in a sense that when you go and, and battle for the Lord in the kingdom of God, there, is, there are colours, a bit like Joseph's coat, but there's language in that and it's the anointing in the spirit realm when the enemy looks at you, he sees your role and responsibility and he submits to that because the name of Jesus has particular grace around it for each person and for you, I bless you with the crown of endurance, the crown of life today the father's blessing over you in that way that you would walk into that with boldness and confidence that god would anoint you this is not a time to be back-footed this is a time to be front-footed and bold the righteous are as bold as a lion and i speak boldness over you today you know peter prayed that prayer and he said god grant me boldness that i would speak your word and not shrink back and i pray for you today julie in jesus name that you'd wear that garment that's being woven for you, firmly fitted and tailored for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, bud. Now, let's give her a cheer. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, uh, I don't know how much... I've got to steward my time well, but I've, I've got a bit of a complex message here that I'm going to try and deliver as best I can in the time I've been given. <clears throat> uh, there's a few things I want to cover today. I've called today's message um, the shepherd's voice in, in the era of the night. 
the shepherd's voice in the ear of the night. I believe that the Lord, the, the chief shepherd, Jesus, is going to shepherd the church, the universal community of saints, the church in heaven and earth. He speaks to us all with grace and love equally. Now, we are shepherds, you know, we have, get callings on our life, the ascension gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. But this is a unique era we're in now, the church. We're in a time of the unveiling of Jesus in his, all his fullness. And, and in many ways, the leaders of the church will become invisible. What do I mean by that? There'll be a new humility over leadership. That the ascension gifts will, will cause a, what I call an invisibility. And we have to get out of the way so Jesus can be seen. Um, and so... When I talk today about these things, um, I want you to understand that, <clears throat> that the voice, the shepherd's voice, will, will flow through all of us, but it'll be very particular. It's very detailed and, and acute. The reason the Lord's going to speak to the church in, in such a full and a complete and an accurate way is for the season of the night. We, 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 we will need accuracy like we've never needed it before it's not a time for generalities it's not a time for shallowness it's not a time for human effort and when we sang that song as one of those lasting hymns you know uh, what's that guy who wrote that what's his name he's been around forever michael w smith that's right um so there's six things that we're going to try and get through in the next however long <laughs> uh we're going to we're going to talk about the night what do I mean by the night? It's a prophetic analogy, but it, it means the time of discipline. <coughs> discipleship's on the, on the horizon right now. Discipleship comes from discipline and discipleship are synonymous. You can't separate them. If you want to be a disciple, you've got to understand discipline. No matter how old you are, whether you're young, old, whatever, discipline will never go away. Unless you're disciplined, you're not a son. This is an era of the unveiling of sonship. Jesus will anoint the church with sonship, fullness, but it can't come without discipline. Um, and so we'll look at the purpose of discipline and how we resist bitterness. In times of, of, in times of, of uh, discipline, the danger is that we can become bitter. We, we're not easily corrected. And bitterness is, is the curse of slavery. God will separate slaves from sons during this era. And the, the keynote indicators will be those that are blessed or those that are bitter. And so we'll look at that. We'll get through that, hopefully. This is a light message. <laughs> We're going to look at sonship and the language of sonship. There is a particular language of how God will speak. This is about the voice of God. When, when someone speaks, unless you understand their language, there's no, no easy translation. You, you, you don't know what they're saying. People, people, we all hear the voice of God more than we realise. Bitter people hear the voice of God. The reason they don't obey it is because they're bitter. It's not that they haven't heard. We'll look at this and, and, and look at the key indicators of that too. But language, language spoken is, is crucial to understanding the voice of God. The third thing we're going to look at is the door this is the Hebrew year of 5784, it's the year of the door, and the door and the voice of God uh, go sort of in alignment. In this year, particularly, um, we'll, we'll, there's been an awakening that's been triggered in the atmosphere, um, a, a vortex of awakening for the voice of God in this year of the door, and we'll look at that. We'll look at truth wars. Right now, lying spirits have been released throughout the nations on multiple frequencies and wavelengths, not just the media, not just online, but the chatter, the chattering spirits, uh, people's conversations, bias, the way many speak within the church and without. It's not, and the church is just as bad. Uh, truth wars, we'll look at that, and then we'll look at assignments that our assignments are crucial. In the night season, Jesus talks about the night and he talks about our assignments and he says we must be aware of the, the call on our life to get our job done, what we're called to do. Because in the night, it's not easy to work. So we'll look at the clarity of that. And the last thing, if we get there, 
we might not get through all of this, but we'll see how we go, is uh, the pathway to glory, the Sabbath. You see, the, our forefathers didn't enter the Sabbath because they heard the voice, but they were too hardened. They fell in the wilderness. They fell in the place of discipline. They couldn't make it. So we'll look at the pathway to glory because this is a time of the unveiling of Jesus and with that comes truth and glory. When John, the lover of the revelator, saw Jesus, he said, I saw his fullness, full of grace and truth, full of glory. So uh, let's start off with discipline. Here we go. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you today for the presence. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that's amongst us. Speak to us today. Let it be a time where our hearts are open to our calling. That everyone that's in this room today, and maybe those that are watching online, that those that are availed to this message today, that you would, your prayer would be my, my prayer, and that would be that you'd have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church during this time. Anyone who has ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this era of the night. We thank you for that. And everyone said, Amen. can I have a double? Amen. And that's good. So let's look at discipline. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Remember how the Lord God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. To find out whether or not you'd obey his commandments. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and did it to teach you that people don't live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as parent disciplines a child, the Lord God disciplines you for your own good. We find here the story of the wilderness, our forefathers going through the wilderness, but the, the key indicator here is the fact that this was a time of discipline, but there was an intentionality, a father's intentionality within this to un unveil the importance that we live by God's voice. Now, we've gone through a whole era, probably the last 30 or 40 years, of different Bible translations where we can read the Bible in all kinds of ways. But it hasn't helped us in many ways hear his voice. The keynote understanding of the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit would speak to our heart and write the new covenant in our spirit. We would hear it, obey it, and we become walking, talking, living new covenant people. The new covenant will be seen. And we find here this transitional season. Remember, this is a transitional season. This is coming out of Egypt on their way to Sabbath, the promised land, the land of rest. In, in, in between, in, in, in this time of the night, this is the time of the night. This is the discipline season. This is their time of the night. The journey from Egypt to Canaan was only 11 days. But God intentionally told them to turn left instead of right. He spoke to them and said, I don't want you to go that way, even though it's shorter, I want you to go this way. Why? Well, he reveals it here, to prove your character. So why, why, why do I declare to you today that this is coming into an era of the night? Because this is a time where God's going to sort out the character of the church. He's going to unveil that. Why? So we can teach each other and, and there would be, a, there would be a, an open-heartedness in each and every one of us to realise that we don't live by bread alone, but by the voice of God. The voice of God is what we live by. We live by the fact that he speaks to us. This is the same thing that happened to Jesus. Remember, it says here that God led them in the wilderness. Well, the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness, and he quotes this when the devil challenges him. The devil challenges him in the wilderness and he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a found, foundational revelation of our pilgrimage, our journey with God, is that he would mould us, shape us, form us into his image through understanding his voice, that we wouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. What's this bread alone thing? It's the things of the world. The bread is symbolic. 
We don't live by the things that the world provides alone. It does give us a certain amount of sustenance, but you've got to understand that everything about you that makes you flourish as a Christian should be foundational on the fact that you could hear his voice and obey him. Hallelujah. So in Hebrews, it talks about this and says that, that we may partake in his holiness. That God disciplines us so that we may have communion with his holiness. Wow. So there's this transitional, transformational intention of God that we would be changed from people that depend on human effort to hearing his voice. And, and when we do that, there's a miraculous transformation of who we are and we carry the holiness of God in our life and the glory of God is seen in us and that's when Jesus is unveiled. So we know that, uh, that during that wilderness journey, many of them fell in the bitter waters of Meribah. They drank the water the toxic mixture that was there in the time of discipline. Everyone say, I'm not going to drink the water. You see, when we go through the night, the opportunity for the church, and this is, this is a warning, Jesus always warned us. He was prophetic in a way that he warned us about the end of days, he warned us about things that would happen. And he'd done it in love, but he did it in a preparatory way. I want to warn you today, don't drink the water. This error in time will be a time that you'll have to make sense of what's going down. You'll have to make sense of circumstances. All of the things that are, that are beginning to get turn and happen around us, we've got to begin to translate them by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, tuned into the frequency of the narrative of heaven and allowing that to, to translate why and what God's up to. If we hear his voice, we make sense of wilderness night seasons. If we hear his voice, we will not drink the water. We won't drink the water. We'll be blessed and transformed. Hallelujah. So let's look at sonship for a moment. I want to, point, I want to land on this one for a moment because it's important at this time, you know. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors, through the prophets. And now, everyone say now. now. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance and through the son he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us from our own sins, he sat down in a place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven, the Father. You know, I'll make this statement and I'll probably I'll say it as gently as I can. In the past, and you can read it in the Old Covenant, there are prophetic books, the minor prophets, the major prophets. And there were personalities and there was a vortex towards these prophets as personalities and they were the, they were the key point people that would speak on behalf of God. But when Jesus came... Jesus speaks the spirit of sonship and it's not about personalities. You'll know a false prophet when they're trying to make himself a personality through their gift. It doesn't mean there's no new covenant prophets, there's new covenant apostles, prophets, they're ascension gifts. But the writer of Hebrews, whoever it is, mysterious author, reveals in the first chapter, and this book of Hebrews is crucial for this time of the night, that God speaks through the spirit of sonship. The glory of God's unveiled through the light of Jesus being unveiled only. It's not about prophetic personalities. The son's language is in such a way that it brings glory to the father. It reveals the power of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't bring attention to a person. When you, when you have a gift that brings attention to themselves, the veil is still down. It's an old covenant thing. It's Moses' prophetic. It's not Jesus. Well, look at this. Right, now we have a plethora of prophets around. They're speaking a lot of nonsense. 
you know, a lot of it's just nonsense, it's chatter. And they're doing it, they're trying to be fortune tellers, predicting who's going to be in government and who's going to win wars, lose wars and all these kind of things. And they leave it just a little bit to talk about Jesus. Can I warn you, in the, in the air of the night, you will not hear God's voice if you listen to these people. God is speaking through his son and son's language is not slave's language. The language of the slave was resonant in the wilderness during the discipline. That's why they drank the water. If you listen to people that speak the wrong language, you'll drink the water. If you listen to people that aren't speaking out of son's language, you will drink the water. But when you hear the voice of God, you will not. So let's look at this voice of the shepherd. We started this, the shepherd's voice. In the ear of the night, truly I say to you, John 10, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, we're looking at the door now, 5784, this errant time now, this is an awakening of the shepherd's voice, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought, his all, uh, brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. They know his voice and a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee for him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So we find here that a relationship with Jesus, the door, and this is why Jesus is speaking around the nations directly in many ways, is because it's time now to stop listening to strangers and God will separate the sheep from the goats, there will be a set-apart culture that's rising in the church now. And you'll know, because you'll hear the voice of, of Jesus, it'll be clear to you, and the key will be that you won't listen to the voice of a thief. Hallelujah. Verse 16. I have other sheep too, they're not of this sheepfold, I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. See, see it's the voice of God that will bring unity. Yeah. One flock and one shepherd. Yeah. See, see, it's the voice of God. When we've done it in the past through human effort and we've followed people, it's, it's tough to bring unity. But when you speak the same language, spirit to spirit language brings unity so the chief shepherd the chief shepherd is speaking now the people of God will not listen to a voice of a stranger they'll hear the voice of the shepherd and they'll stay unified under the authority of the door so let's look at truth wars for a moment I'm bouncing through these times flying John 18 this is uh this is the arrest of Jesus. This is the time where Jesus just had been arrested and Pilate, Pilate in many ways is symbolic of the spirit of the world, the authority of the world, the values of the world. And I want to paint that picture a moment where Jesus is arrested and he's standing there in, in what appears in the natural as a vulnerable position, but he's still carrying incredible authority and power. He's not intimidated at all, but... So Pilate entered his, this is John 18 verse 33, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or do others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might be, not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Everyone say, Jesus' kingdom, kingdom. is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside and told the Jews, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, no, this man, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a thief and a robber. So they chose the thief. Not the door. They choose the thief. Pilate stands before him and says, you're the king. What what kingdom? He says, well, I'm not a king of this world, this world system. I'm not a king of the values of this world. I refer back to these prophets that talk about the culture of the world too much and try and engage in the narrative of the world and try and prophesy and predict things and get caught up in the narrative of that rather than the kingdom come and the glory and the unveiling of Jesus. And they think it's their role to, to dictate a narrative of what's going to happen next and really all they are is fortune tellers. They've lost the narrative of the voice of God. And Jesus says, if my people, not me, if my people were of this world, they would carry placards and fight. They would stop me from being arrested. But there was a narrative going down here of the kingdom come because it was a a time of the night. This is the beginning of the night. This is the time when Jesus was about to be crucified. It had to happen. So... I want to talk a little bit about religious spirits. Religious spirits and the Spirit of God. See, the lead-up to this whole arrest was dictated to, in many ways, and in ignorance by them, by religion. The Pharisees, they were the ones that were going to arrest Jesus, cause him to be arrested, and, and say to Pilate, crucify him. And... Right now, we have this sorting out process, I believe, between religion and the Spirit of God. We have this sort of religious spirit within the church where churchianity is being brought to account. That the Spirit of God would, in all of his glory, would be revealed in such a way that we would begin to obey his voice. Remember, the hardness of the church has got to be removed so that we can hear his voice clearly. Revelation 2 says, whoever has the ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. John chapter 5, and the Father who sent me has testified about himself. You have never heard his voice nor seen his face, and you do not have his message in your heart because you do not believe in me, the one who sent. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. He's saying you don't have his message in your heart. Now, these people believe they represent the church at that moment. They carry the garments. They carry the authority. They carry the the notoriety in the community. The spirit of sonship is confronting them and they cannot hear his voice. And he says to them, you've never heard his voice nor seen him face to face. And this is, this, is the, this is why right now in the air of the night, the voice of God is so crucial because he's cleaning religion out of the church. He's taken out all of the human effort, all of the outward show, all of the stuff that we feel like we've never been engaged in, but in many ways, all of us are guilty. <laughs> we've engaged in it more than we realise. Which comes to this crucial moment of obedience, and I want to go way back to a king that preceded King David, the greatest king, the king that all he worried about, all he was concerned about, all he prayed about was doing the the Father's will and hearing his voice. He had a forerunner, King Saul, who got his position in humility, but then lost his way because... He, in some way, didn't understand the importance of obedience. So when we're talking about the voice of God, we must understand that the voice of God needs to be obeyed. And this is where the acute accuracy comes in. That, that, that the kingdom is built through the accuracy of hearing God's voice and doing what he says. This was Jesus in all of his fullness. 
saying, I only do what the Father tells me. It's voice-activated obedience in the assignments that God has called us to. So when Jesus is unveiled, we begin to reflect his lifestyle, we begin to reflect his, his attributes, his characteristics, his key ways of living, and we begin to realise that the kingdom, unless the Lord builds the house, we labour in vain. And so all of the slave tensions and all of the, the tiredness that we felt in, in going to church falls off when we begin to hear the voice of God more clearly and we understand our relationship with grace is a rhythm and a resonance and a frequency that carries us and it's light. So we find this story, we pick the story up of, of, of King Saul who is driven by being liked. His impulses are that he, he, wants, to be, he wants to be popular. And so we find that Samuel the prophet has anointed him as king. And Samuel had a deep love for Saul. And God begins to speak to Samuel about the fact that Saul is not listening to his voice. He's not obedient. And he begins to do things impulsively. He's not listening to the accuracy of what God's called him to. This is the story. 1 Samuel 15, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than an offering of fat rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is a big deal. See, none of us, if I said to you today, don't engage in witchcraft, you think, well, I don't engage in witchcraft. But many of us think that's just potions and notions and being a part of some kind of weird cult. But really, witchcraft in the church is engaging in worship of idols and chatter and things that, the resonances that, that get around our life and take us away from hearing the voice of God to be bewitched with other voices. There's many voices in the world, you know, Paul writes to the Galatians and says, what's bewitched you? That you've forsaken the Holy Spirit and tried to become religious spirits. And so, you know, Samuel comes and in verse 13, he says, when Samuel found Saul, he greeted him cheerfully. Saul greeted him and said, well, things are going cool. May the Lord bless you, he said, I've carried out the Lord's command. Then what... Then what is all the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of cattle to hear, Samuel demanded. See, you can be bewitched and you think you're doing great. Right. Samuel comes and says, you think you're doing all right, Saul, but I can hear the sheep bleeding. You see, see when, when there's language that's in the atmosphere that that doesn't prove that you're listening to the voice of God, you're caught out. And, and right now we're in a place where the key indicators in the, in, in, in the church, are, 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 there's alarm bells and people that represent God well are looking at those alarm bells and think well, there needs to be realignments, there needs to be repentance, there needs to be readjustments so we can find ourselves back in the will of God, we can begin to hear his voice more accurately. So Jesus begins to talk in John chapter 9. He's just healed the blind man. And this man was born blind. And Jesus heals him on the Sabbath day. And he makes this statement. We must quickly carry out tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. There's been speculation about what Jesus was talking about here when he said the night is coming when no one can work. Was he talking about his own crucifixion? Was he talking about the persecution in the end of time? I think he's probably all of those things. But one thing I believe that he is talking about is the importance of obedience and the accuracy of taking the opportunity that when God speaks to you, do something. When he speaks to you. Jesus goes and sees the blind man and he's, remember he's operating in this father-son voice-activated obedience. When the night comes, it's hard 
You know, I believe right now that we are, and let's talk about the night a little bit more. Um, up ahead, it could be difficult. It could be difficult for the challenges and the season that we have ahead of us. And so it's important for us to understand what God is saying in any particular moment for all of us and every one of us. John eleven eight. But the disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, people in Judea were trying to stone you. He's on his way to resurrect Lazarus. And he'd just been there, and remember that was the time when they were trying to stone him, and he, and he disappeared and moved among, you know, he, he was translated. And they said, are you going there again? And Jesus replied, there are only 12 day, hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can, because they have the light of the world, but the night... At the night, everyone say at the night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now let's go and wake him up. It's interesting that Thomas is there right at that moment. He says, come on guys, let's go and die with Jesus. He, he has no idea what Jesus is up to. That the voice of God had spoken to Jesus, the voice of the Father had spoken to him and said, go and raise him from the dead. Thomas is not even in the same picture. He thinks they're just going to go and die. When we're children of the day, the, the night doesn't own us. God owns the night as well as the day. If you can hear his voice... There's clarity, there's clarity in the assignment that God's called you to, there's clarity in the, in the narrative. Jesus talking about his, his parousia, he's coming again, and he says that it'll be in the night. But he says, it won't surprise you because you'll hear my voice. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, for you are all children of the light and of the day. You don't belong to darkness and the night so be on your guard not asleep like others stay alert and be clear-headed night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk but let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing it uh, as a helmet act the confidence of our salvation see when you hear the voice of God <clears throat> there's a confidence within your spirit to navigate through the night the night doesn't own you and so when I'm talking about the fact that the night's coming, this isn't a time to trouble you. This is a time to warn you and prepare you to align yourself with the voice of the Father so he can illuminate you right. and you can have night vision. Yeah, come on. Right? Yeah. You can have night vision. <clears throat> and so you're not drunk, you're not asleep. See, see the prophetic analogy in all of this is, is, is not literally to get drunk, but it's to be intoxicated with the spirit of the world, the narrative of the world, what's going on in the world, thinking that the world, remember, my people are not of this world, if they were, they would fight. I want to break the stronghold of the tension of, of thinking you have to fix things. You don't have to fix things. You, you don't have to help God. You have to shine a light. You have to be illuminated with the anointing of the glory and unveil Jesus in the night. You see, the night has a purpose. Why would God owns the day and the night? Psalm 74, verse 16, both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set boundaries of the earth and you made both summer and winter. See, God owns everything. And there's a purpose in the night. When I declare the night, it's not for the night to own you, but it's for you to own the night. Right? So that you can carry the glory of God when darkness covers the earth. Hallelujah. So it's a time of realignment. You know, Isaiah prophesies this in Isaiah 30 when he's talking to the exiles. He says to them, you only, you, your own ears will hear him right before, behind you, a voice will say this way, you should go whether right or left. 
You're speaking to a rebellious people. They had to realign themselves with God's voice. Babylon had hardened their heart. And he said, look, do you want to know accurately? When the voice returns, you'll know whether to go right or left. Decisions. Decisions. All of us got to make choices. We've got to make decisions about our life. If you read that whole chapter of chapter 30, he says there's false prophets who will tell you nice things. Don't listen to them. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. They'll tell you, get off the narrow way. Wrong alliances. But to come back into the alignment of God. You know, in the book of Acts, there's a couple of instances I want to make us aware of in the building of the church. Remember, this is a the foundations of the, of the church going out to the nations and carrying the, the kingdom come. But it, but it was all about accuracy. In Acts chapter 13, the prophets are gathered, right? And there's, it says in Acts 13.1, among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch were, of Syria were Barnabas, right? we all know Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, or probably Simon, the one who carried the cross for Jesus, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the child and companion of King Herod of Antipas, and Saul. And one day these men were worshipping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work. So after more fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them on their way. So this was the Holy Spirit speaking about a unique, special work. And they, they understood the voice of the Holy Spirit preceded by fasting and prayer. So, so, practically speaking, they realised the, the importance and the weight of carrying the voice of God on assignment. That there had to be an accuracy in what to do and who was going to go. Not just the what, but the who. Set apart for us Barnabas and Saul. Sometimes we've got it wrong. Because there hasn't been any fasting or prayer. It's just an impulsive decision or an urgency or a haste. Or, or something where we've tried to do things just to accumulate activity and get things happening. But this is an era of the night where there's got to be accuracy and there's got to be a time where we hit the mark. <clears throat> there was a uniqueness in the green light here. To get a green light, you've got to be accurate. To get a green light from heaven, there's got to be an accuracy in hearing the Spirit's voice. Later on, we see a red light in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Cyrus travelled throughout Phygeria and Galatia uh, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So the Holy Spirit then said no. And then Paul was intent in going to Asia. In his own spirit, he wanted to go. But then the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going. And so he headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus said, did not allow him to go there. So he's on his way. He's on his way to these places, and the Holy Spirit was very accurate. And he said, what are you doing? But doesn't everyone need to hear about Jesus? Isn't it good just to go everywhere and do everything? And You see, the kingdom's built through man not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's prophetic accuracy. So our commission needs to get permission. All right. So we, we now have a time where we've got to translate the voice of God in many ways because there's, there's got to be a transitional period coming out of many voices and hearing the, the acute language of the Spirit of God. This is the time where I believe many of us, especially the ascension gifts, will become translators. Um, and... Dreams and visions is something that we don't talk about a lot in the church. And yet in Acts chapter 2 it says, in the end of days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy and young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. And how many times have you had a dream and you don't know what it means? And yet so many areas of the language of God is with dreams and visions. Why? Because it's the night. It's the language of the night. It's the language of the night. It takes you beyond your, your conscious mind, your rational mind, 
of the soul into the deep spirited areas of your world and right now we'll find the resistors in the hardness of people not just the church but the world there's people that are hardened in their soul and the only way God can reach them is in the night and so he speaks to them in visions and dreams and they get saved I've got a best mate who got saved in a dream he rang me up and said I'm saved I said I thought he was having a go at me he said no no the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I'm, I'm saved you know and that was 20 years ago and he, he, he he's been a faithful brother ever since that time uh, look at this in Job 33 for God speaks again and again through people though they do not recognize it he speaks in dreams and visions in the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds he whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings he makes them turn from doing wrong and keeps them from pride he protects them from the grave from crossing over the river of death this is God's language pictorial language this is the voice of God speaking in pictures any prophet will tell you that their imagination is well in many ways when I pray for people that's what I see pictures I don't see linear words because it's multi-dimensional frequency it's 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 understanding the voice of God in multi-dimensional frequency. Even in the scriptures, the canon, the 66 books, we've in many ways been locked into this one-dimensional understanding of linear thinking of the, of the scriptures, but God is awakening us now to understand the scriptures in a whole new way, revelational flow when we hear the voice of his word. And so our subconscious mind is reached through dreams and visions. You know, again, we, we, you know, I've, I need to tie a bow on this thing this morning, but... New Covenant believers in 2 Corinthians 3, it says that we are a living letter written by Christ. Not carved on a stone tablet. Now this can become a stone tablet. Well, you're locked into that, but you can't hear the voice of God. See? You're not spirit, you know, it hasn't been written on your heart. When it's written on your heart, there's an accuracy in assignment. You're proactive. You realize what God's called you to do. I know people that are very learned in these things, but they've got no idea what they're called to do. They're always prayerful about what's next, etc. So it's not based on the letter. So we've got to break the religious spirit off our, off our Bible reading and, and all that. So, the, the, so what can happen in the night is the glory's revealed... In, in the way that revelation flows because man doesn't live by bread alone by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God but that's revelation it's the unveiling revelation the last book in the Bible apocalypto the unveiling now apocalypto doesn't mean the end of days it means the unveiling of, of something the unveiling of Jesus revelation so Jesus is unveiled when we live by revelation when revelation is the children's bread when we understand that God's voice is clear to us and so I, I want to close this morning in calling you to a place where and I've got a bit of a a bit of a I noticed Pastor Phil this morning he gave us a liturgical prayer that he pre-prepared and I've got one um, about bitterness bitterness in the dictionary is anger and resentment about being treated unfairly um, when you go through a season of the night it can seem unfair it can seem unjust it seems like what are you up to God I can't make sense of this unless you hear the voice of God through dark seasons through seasons of the night it does seem unjust and it does seem unfair and you'll possibly drink the water but if you hear his voice you'll choose to drink from another well the spirit of living water see it's the spirit of living water that tastes sweet during the night come and drink from the waters of life freely that is the one that Moses was told to break open the well for them to drink he got angry he didn't enter in in the end the great Moses 
struck the rock and didn't allow a conversation to hear the voice of God. This is, a, this is a word for the church. I'm telling you, this is a word for the church. It's not just a word for C3 Tuggera. <laughs> this is a word for the church right now. Because we've come out of an era of so comfortable summer. Our churches have enjoyed the sun, the daylight. We've enjoyed recognition, comfortable relationships. For 2,000 years, we've owned all the real estate, the best real estate in every city on earth. Many of our churches now are empty, but we've still got the real estate. It's all there as testimony of the journey of 2,000 years, two days of the church. But now it's the night. Now is the time when we must understand the glory of God is coming through a temple not made with hands. This is a time when the Lord will unveil Jesus in an unprecedented way through his people that hear his voice. The door has been opened and it's time to hear his voice. So I want us to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. I've prayed this prayer. In preparing this message, and this is probably a hybrid message of a couple others that I've preach I've looked at my own life and asked God's forgiveness for human effort um, I've asked for his mercy I've asked for realignment to come in a place of kneeling and submission to get clarity to hear his voice and obey him so Jesus and only him can be seen so I'll pray this prayer and, and you can re I'll pray a bit and then you can repeat it after me if you want to align with this today. This is not obviously a forced thing, it's an invitation. So here we go. Father, I open my heart to you afresh. Forgive me for presumption, for impulsive thinking, for a hasty spirit. For aligning with anything outside of your perfect will for my life. Holy Spirit, lead me into what I'm called to do so Jesus can be unveiled. I will not drink the waters of worldly toxic mixes. I choose today to drink from the waters of life freely then I will know that I'm being transformed into the glory of Jesus image amen and amen let's stand together hallelujah